This podcast is brought to you by MSW Nutrition. MSW Nutrition is a supplement line designed to help support your body in as many ways as possible, starting with the liver. By helping to repair liver health, you're supporting your body's biggest detox organ so that it can do its job taking care of the rest of you. We carry supplements to help with mood, stress, energy, weight loss, gut health, immunity, and much more. Any product carrying the MSW Nutrition label will be produced in an FDA-certified lab and contain the most bioavailable version of those nutrients possible. Make sure to check out our website at www.mswnutrition.com to see all the latest stacks to help you reach your health goals. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date with their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. We also have a brand new online workout community called Online Workout Badasses, where we have three donation-based Zoom workout classes a week and an amazing community of people who are all working to be healthier together. Please join below in the show notes. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more about Flabs to Fitness at www.flabstofitness.com. Welcome to the How Do You Health Podcast. It's been a crazy Friday, man. It's been awesome. It's been pretty fun. John just came back from... Uh, from a week-long trip in, uh, in uh, Denver, or Colorado, I should say, all over yeah. the place. So I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll hear about some thoughts on that. And we're here with Dr. Lindsay Matthews. She's the CEO and founder of BirthFit. Nailed it. And, uh, and I'm Tex-Mex Yogi, so let's get this uh, party started. <laughs> so for the people listening, I'm, I'm also a chiropractor, and when Dr. Matthews came in here earlier, she uh, and another chiropractor sitting here, we took a photo, because it's rare that we have enough chiropractors like all in the same room. Which is kind of weird because Austin yeah. has like a ton of chiropractors. There's yeah. a lot of chiropractors here in yeah. Austin. Yeah. So when I was in Colorado, there was only certain towns that had chiropractors. Really? It seemed like that. Like, you know, because I was like, where's the chiropractors at? You know, and like certain finally. suburbs. And you could, well, not even the Denver, just like a little towns in Colorado. Like they didn't have chiropractic, you know. A not allowed here. Well, I don't know. <laughs> just we, well, we talk about the progression, right? Yeah. Like, all right. So everyone tells me Colorado is healthy. It's because they're outdoors all the time. Mm, they move. Yeah, they move. They're active. Yeah. And I said that is a form of health, but then mental mindsets are a form of health, mm-hmm. right? And so when we were starting right now, like Dr. Matthews is getting an IV right now as we're speaking, <laughs> and and uh, she was like, I'm super calm. I look, you know, I look relaxed. I don't tend to get stressed. Yeah. Right? I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. So share us your secret. How come you don't get stressed that much? Well, these chill drinks that follow <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't used to be, like, people have recently described me as, like, super chill patient, and I guess my friends in general would say that, Um, like, nothing really pisses me off, nothing, like, unless it does, at the very, like, if it... I'm kind of the same, yeah. yeah. But what, 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 how would you know that it 
Like, because I see you get mad every once in a while, but how, what would get you mad? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of, like, the last time I was truly mad, like, anger. And it's been a while, but, um, like, when I see something, like, unkind or, like, somebody um, taking advantage of something of somebody else or taking advantage of the situation, not being truthful, that kind of, like, kind of sure. revs my engine a little bit. Yeah. Um, so would you say something? Yeah, like... I've gotten better, like growing up or, um, you know, as a young adult, I was very reactive, right? Because you're immature, you're in that almost rebellious mindset. Um, But now I'm like, okay, breathe. And then what's the choice of action we want to go with here? Um, So I think going back to your question about being super calm and chill is it goes back to all the lifestyle practices. Yeah. Um, that like I check myself before before you wreck yourself. I, totally, and, like <laughs> it's the best line ever. <laughs> but it's for real. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't like I'm not my Capricorn side of me loves routine and loves like rituals, but I don't beat myself up like if I miss um my morning movement or my morning prayers, meditation, that kind of stuff. I probably get in like five or six times a week, and then. Maybe we sleep in, you know, yeah. one of the days. Um, but, yeah, they're there to check me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. See if I need to apologize to anybody from the day before, made any poor decisions, um, make sure I'm on the right path that I want to be on. So do you but, go yeah. back and, like, clean up your messes? So, like, <laughs> that you're doing, like, that's how you keep chill because you're like, I don't have any loose ends. Well, messes in the sense of, like, if I messed up, like, yeah. behavior-wise. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I look at kind of like relationships in my life, and I want to say more so now I, I'm i better at living in alignment with like my values and stuff than I was in like my early 20s or, um, you know, if you're in a relationship, you can kind of like teeter off one way or another if you don't have things to like check you. But um, yeah, whenever I started down like the lifestyle journey or like, you know, some people say lifestyle, biohacking, however you want to, like, live your life optimally. Um, I did have to clean up some relationships, for sure, yeah. where I was like, oh, I probably should own my shit in that in that relationship or um, that friendship. Haven't talked to that person in a while. Let me check back in. Or even with, you know, my parents or my siblings or, you know, I can't imagine that I was always – you know, a ray of sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> so. so this is different than you were before? Um, not too different. Like, I, I'm probably painting this picture, but... Uh, <laughs> like, like Dr. Jekyll was like, like, I 18. spent every day making up for all my... <laughs> yeah, for all the like bad stuff I did. <laughs> I forget that y'all have only known me, like, a short period of time, but, um, no. <laughs> like, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in New Braunfels. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> born, born and raised. That's Texas badass. forever. That's right. Um, and then I moved to Los Angeles to go to chiropractic school in yeah. 2006. Which school was that? Uh, it was called LACC, Los Angeles Chiropractic College, and then now it's called SCUS. For any chiropractors listening, they know exactly yeah. what that is. And it's Southern California University of Health Sciences. And right before that, I went to Texas A&M, believe it or not. People are always so surprised to hear that. That you're an Aggie? Yeah. 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 And I, then did you did graduate undergrad there? I did my undergrad yeah. there. That's I did awesome. pre-med and studied biology. And whenever people find out, I'm like, yeah, I'm the proudest member. 
They're like, no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. It's just the maroon is inside. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, because um, it was either UT or, or that, right? Yeah, or, and I think because I lived in New Braunfels, and I was always like a little bit of a free spirit going against like whatever mainstream was yeah. at the time. They expected me to go to Texas. Yeah. And even though that's like the hippie school, and I say that in quotations, in Texas, yeah. like, <laughs> it's just... I mean, it is, though. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what everybody expects of me and go to Texas A&M. And College Station. For anyone yeah. who's ever been to College Station, that's all there is out there. It's a small... It's t- just just the school. Yeah. yeah. Which I think was great for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you... Like, if I was in a big city, I think about this. Like, if I was in a city like Austin or L.A., L.A. is, like, twice, three times. I don't know how big, but a lot bigger than Austin, New York, or any cities with a university. Like, I would have gotten in way more trouble than <laughs> I got. Been, you yeah. want to graduate. You want to school. I mean, we went to school in San Antonio. We got a lot of trouble. We got a lot of trouble. Yeah, and San Antonio is a big city, <laughs> yeah. but not, like, I feel like there's more things to get in trouble with in Austin Maybe more things. Well, a lot of why we got in trouble is because we came to Austin. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, yeah. I mean, Austin is a playground for nightlife. We would come to Austin, too. Yeah, everyone yeah. does. Everyone goes to 6th Street. Yeah. And they all hang out, like, all weekend. And because I lived in Austin, we'd always just stay at, like, my house, you know. And so <laughs> people would come. Yeah, we go to 6th Street, and then, like, John's parents will make us breakfast the next day. You know? And oh, so, jackpot. Because, like, I don't yeah. have class till yeah. 1 anyways, yeah. right? Like, so. Yeah. I mean, it was and always it was like, only, <laughs> like then it was probably quick, like an hour. Oh, like, yeah. You oh, yeah. make the drive. But you did stupid stuff. Like, you're like, you leave the bars down there, and you're like, I'm going to go up to Austin and go to yeah. more bars up there. And I'm like, what a Till 2 a.m. Yeah, for two. Yeah. And it's funny, because I, I look back on it now, and I, you know, I college was very different for both of us, but we were very similar in, like, the people we hung out with, the the mindset that we had, and it helped us kind of get to this point now, because, like, basically going to undergrad defined me now, even though at the time I didn't think it was. Mm-hmm. I was kind of almost lost. I oh, I was I for sure lost. Yeah. I think most people <laughs> in their early 20s, you might not know what the hell you're doing with yourself. No, I was, like, trying everything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but it's college, right? Every like, experience. You're away from home. You get to do whatever you want. Freedom. Get to sleep in. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, the world opens up to you. Yeah. You, like, when I was in college, 9-11 happened. Same freshman year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then you, you oh. your mind changes about everything. You question yeah. everything. You're like, why did this happen? And then you what kind mad. of world are we living in? Right. And then the flash forward now, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. Oh, we're. I feel like we were talking. Maybe it was not us, but I feel like we had a conversation about 9/11 before. We probably did. We probably did. Uh, because when I <laughs> when I look at it, it's more of like that term brings up a lot of different emotions for people. Absolutely. Just like what's going on right now. Yeah. And so it triggers something in people to where they become divided. They yeah, there it's one of those polarizing topics. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, "Well, we're on the same side here." Yeah. You know, why are we disc- like at one point one of my friends who's now in the military he said, why don't you get out of this country if you don't really like, you know, what our, our leaders are doing? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't agree with them. I'm not saying that I am unpatriotic. I thought that was the whole point of being a patriot. Yeah. It's like trying to question your leadership. That's yeah. what we started this country on. And uh, you flash forward now, we have conversations that are very different. Like, you know. You can't say anything right now. <laughs> you, you can't. I mean, you really can't because of the way people so, respond and react. And I'm just like, all right, well, what's the bigger picture here, right? Mm-hmm. If I see someone who's stressing about everything that's going on here, I'm not going to have that conversation. Not because they're talking politics, but because I don't want their stress energy. Right? You don't. It's 
yeah, it's almost like living in a different playing field of um, like 2D versus 3D versus 5D. Uh, I don't know if y'all you know. Tell me, explain the 5D again because we had that talk last yeah. week or two weeks ago. Well, I don't. Okay, I wouldn't say I fully grasped it, but when you're living more in 5D, it's an awareness thing. It's an abundance thing, like we were talking about. There's no duality. There's no right and wrong. It's just pure love everywhere, and if you've done, I mean, if you've done any sacred ceremonies, like you might have experienced on, on some level there. Yeah. Um, but that's what people I think are referring to right now. And um, God, I'm like, how crazy do we want to get right now? We can get crazy <laughs> you want. We can get crazy. But like, we can crazy as you want. Yeah. Some of the the channels no and the groups and um, the things that I'm part of, like, refer to 5D a lot right now mm-hmm. because it's just. If you're stuck in that anti-Trump or anti-Biden or anti-this, anti-mask, mask, whatever, then it's either or. It's like right or wrong in your world. There's no room for any kind of being a human. There's no and no variation, no spectrum, nothing. Yeah. And you're severely limiting yourself. I agree. I agree. Yeah. We've talked about it where... Like, because you talk about space all the time, mm. and if you're like in space, it's not necessarily like purgatory. Yeah, it, you're not restricted. You're everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like if your emotion is every single emotion across the board, or your mental well-being is everything you could ever imagine, all happening at one second, mm-hmm. then you're nothing really because you're everything at the same time. You can't yeah. define it, right? Yeah. So it's more of like. I can be any emotion, any thought, any person I want to be right now. I can take form of anything. I can be a solid. I can yeah. be a liquid. I can yeah. be a gas because I'm energy. Yeah. That's all I am. I'm just totally. a ball of energy. Well, earlier we talked about, like, I feel like I didn't do anything because I did everything. I did today. everything. <laughs> you did everything today. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting, right? Because it's it's the same thing, but yeah. in, a, in a different sense. Now I'm talking, I was talking about, like, getting shit done around the office i got a lot of shit done but it felt like i did nothing he got nothing <laughs> done on his checklist I, yeah correct because <laughs> i didn't get anything of my checklist done well it's funny because yeah. um he a couple it was like a month or two ago he came in and he's like i got everything done on my checklist and it's only <laughs> noon and me and aaron looked up and we we're like that's awesome man good for you get back to work you know like do the rest of your stuff and it's funny because your accomplishment was you made a to-do list and yeah. you accomplished it yeah if you don't accomplish that to-do list i bet it drives you nuts doesn't it well, yeah, because it's only three things on there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's three major things I gotta get done. Well, because with, with the longer list is my not to do list, and I get actually mm. more upset about like, shit, I did five of those things I said I wasn't going to do. Yeah, yeah. You have a not to do list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's, you're the first this is why y'all are business partners, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's like a yin and yang approach. Yeah, I but see the, this. But the energy is very similar. So, like, I can have him finish a conversation and vice versa. But it's like if you look at a glass half full, glass half empty, we both look at his glass half full. But I'm looking at it from the left side. He's looking from the right side. Mm-hmm. So he sees something different. Yeah. It'd be a very different relationship if he's glass half full and I'm glass half empty all the time. Yeah. Then well, he's more like, we're going to, this is how we're going to fill it. And I'm just like, oh, it's going to be full. It's already filled. <laughs> it's already filled. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> way to say it. It's already yeah. filled. You're drinking from it now. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm staring at it right now. I need to fill this up. It's like, look, 
There it is. Well, just like when that guy Greg was saying a while ago, he's like, I'm tapping into my future self. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's cool. Your future self is you today. So the fifth dimension must be like I'm aware of who I am and aware that I'm going to change and grow. Mm-hmm. And in the future, I'm going to be completely different. But I want to envision what I could be in the future by doing it's something. Already, today, right? yeah. It's already this. So yeah. it's like um, it's very simple. Like I'm going to wear a blue shirt today. Like, I got up today, I'm going to wear a blue shirt. And then you visualize yourself in a blue shirt. Yeah. You manifest but, that. But mm-hmm. tapping into energy is, like, the core of chiropractic, right? Like Oh, of course. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, because I have that one book that you gave me. Yeah. <laughs> I, gave, I gave him a pythonesiology. Right? Oh, wow. And so, and so okay. it's, like, it's all energy. And I'm just it's like, okay, well, this is easy. You know? Like, yeah, I get well, it. Isn't everything energy, though? Well, <laughs> that's the way that I see it. But it's just interesting that it's, like, okay, so that is recognized as a science, right? Or the chiropractic mm-hmm. is, at least. Right, because there's mm-hmm. you get an MD or you get a, you get a, a DC, DC. <laughs> yeah, a DC. Um, but yet it's still not necessarily recognized. It's in not general like energy energy work yeah. right like by society. Yeah. Correct. Well, I'll tell you this right now. If you want to get all propaganda and agenda, it happened with chiropractic. So there was a vendetta against chiropractic profession for the medical association to try to eliminate it. Mm-hmm. Like this happened. You go yeah. back look up Wilkes versus uh, AMA back in the seventies. So. When you have intention, like anything in this world, when you have intention to do something good or bad, it eventually comes out. And so chiropractic is coming out now is great because it's been this natural movement treating the body all along. It's what people wanted. Mm-hmm. Chiropractors used to get thrown in jail, and there'd be lines of patients waiting for them as soon as they came out mm-hmm. because they knew this was a different approach. It was very natural. It was healing the body. And just like any modality, mm-hmm. you're open to the idea of do no harm. And so if you look and you say, all right, it's weird how chiropractors don't get the recognition they deserve, you say, well, let's look at physicians real quick. Someone who goes to medical school, goes there for seven years, comes out to be prescribing a medication that is not anything they were taught. (laughs) They were taught about these new medications from the farm reps and the commercials and all the money that's basically being told to them to say, prescribe this. Mm -hmm. And so doctors of medicine don't look inside the body to heal themselves. They look for things outside the body to heal internally as opposed to chiropractors say you can heal from internally. That's mm-hmm. why Joe Dispenza resonates with everyone because yeah. Dispenza says the same thing. You have inside the body out. inside out. Yeah. Medicine says outside in. Yeah. And like explore, totally. exploratory surgery. Yeah. And there's right? role, exploratory and there's surgery. Exploratory surgery. And there's like, a role for that, right? Like the, from well, the outside yeah. in. But, well, but if uh, you have acute injuries and you have like, you know, internal bleeding – yeah. Let's open you up and make yeah. sure to stop the bleeding. Yeah. But if it's like it's we don't know where this, you know, phantom stomach pain's mm-hmm. coming from, it's not like it's opening you up for that reason, you know. Yeah. It is. It's such a different um philosophy and I think um you know, especially us and our even probably our parents generation, you know, um so even like, like relating this back to um like childbirth. I did a little bit of history searching, digging and um we talk about childbirth and the history of childbirth in America, like super brief in our seminars and, um, you know, our generation. So I'm 37. I had to think about that a hot second. <laughs> born in like the early 80s. And then my mom, she was born in 1955. And so right around 1950s was when all the birth, birth from, you know, Whatever they took notes about birth, birth got moved from home to the hospital around the 1950s. If you go back 50 years prior to like the beginning of the 1900s, birth used 
97, 98% of the time would happen in the home. And midwives would travel to the home and help birth babies. And then, like, when the AMA was formed and all the the institutions and the universities started taking off, and then all of a sudden, okay, doctors, and I don't think this was malicious at all. I think it's just part of, they wanted to serve and be of use, and now they're seeing that childbirth is something that was going to be continuous and it was going to be happening like forever. Like babies are born every day. And so if they could learn childbirth, they'd for sure make money as, you know, um, a general, general doc. And so that's how stuff started to shift a little bit. And like, that's very rudimentary, very, very simple. But, um, basically the midwives of our country and even the black granny midwives of the South, like Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, those were basically the teachers of childbirth for us. But they don't get any credit. And then, you know, childbirth got moved to the hospitals. And now it's starting to be more of an industrialized process. And fast forward, you know, early 1980s, majority of the childbirths are happening in the hospitals. You ask people like 10 years ago, what's a midwife? And people didn't know what a midwife was. Um, just like chiropractic, it followed a very similar, like chiropractic, midwifery, homeopathy, all of that got such a bad rep when the AMA took off in America. And it's because the AMA got so much funding from families and institutions like the Rockefellers. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals. And so that's kind of where, okay, the propaganda, the marketing industry, all of that took off. So if you look at our parents, they were heavily pushed formula. They were heavily pushed TV dinners, convenience, help the working mom. And, yeah, like my, I remember my mom specifically saying, you know, I wanted to get back to the workforce so I didn't breastfeed because she wasn't taught about the benefits of breastfeeding, that breast milk is like gold. And what she was, she was part of the feminist movement or the feminist, like, I'm going to go back to work. And she had a great job and she made it back to work in three months and, you know, whatever, whatever. But that's like kind of the lie they were fed then, you know, like, okay, back to work, formula, formula will save you, TV dinners, convenience, drive throughs were taken off. And then in the early eight or nineteen mid eighties, like nineteen eighty six, I believe, was the and this is gonna probably stir the pot, the vaccine act or the vaccine injury act. <laughs> so, we like stirring the pot. <laughs> so this is basically when and I believe that's the year, vaccines got cleared of all liability. Yeah. And so right. now like and basically what that means is you can sue McDonalds for a hot cup of coffee, but you can't sue the manufacturers of a vaccine for paralyzing your child. Um, And so, okay, that gave all the big pharmaceutical companies the green light to go to, oh, shit, we're not, we're not held accountable for making vaccines. Let's, it's production time. And so, you know, we probably grew up in the time where there was like 12, 13 vaccinations. Now, by the time a child's 18, they're fed, if they go along with the CDC schedule, they're injected about 69 times. Yep. Isn't that wild? That's yep. wild. <laughs> so so let me add this to since, like, I was going through all of this. That's nuts. Yeah. 
So one of the reasons why, there's a few reasons why I started BirthFit, but one of the reasons was to focus on what I call the motherhood transition time window. And that's basically from conception to the end of the first year of life, that 12 months postpartum. And I wanted to focus on this time because I was digging and doing research and I was like, okay, we got it, like myself and other cases that I would see, but okay, we got to keep going, going further back to like in our lives. Okay. We got to go to when we were children, when we were babies. And then I was like, no, we got to go in the womb. And that's where like our environments are born. That's mom, dad, there's two sets of genes that go into making a baby, no matter if it's, you know, sexual intercourse or a test tube, like there's two sets of genes and that plays a role in, you know, in this new human. Yeah. Yeah. And so that just, that's one of the reasons. And I started looking at, okay, from preconception, usually about three months is when I tell people, if you know you want to conceive, at least plan three months in advance. And then through the 12 months postpartum, that is the most neuroplastic, most most influential time for us as humans. And you're over here like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm listening. You're like getting it. But it is when we have the most impact on our health, our movement, our breath, everything throughout the rest of our life. And like we were talking about earlier, this chiropractor sitting here, like when you adjust babies, like adjusting babies in the first year of life, they might need one adjustment and then their whole world is changed. But, you know, imagine, and I say that because we just mentioned vaccines, but do you think about all the shit that a new human gets in their their world within the first year? Yep. It could, all of it can just wait. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it could just wait. I'll tell you this. Medical intervention is not also always needed. Right. And I'll, this is a point example. So a uh, perfect example was my wife and I uh, gave birth to uh, – well, she did, obviously. Right? But she, she, <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I was there. I was helping. Like, and trust me, <laughs> I was there helping. So um, I was up there four, six hours in the middle of the night holding her while she – you know, we did the – the old school, like sit on the physio ball, mm-hmm. and then uh, did the warm bathtub. Yeah, like the the it's like the midwife, like uh, what do they call it, midwife volume or something like that. They call it something. They call it something like that. I was like, all right, that's cool, but it worked. And anyway, so um, I adjusted Merrick throughout the entire Dang. pregnancy. Okay, great. So her delivery was great. It was natural, which we need to talk about anyway in a second. But <laughs> when we got done, the doctor. Or the nurse came over and said, all right, do you want this ointment on the baby's eye? Mm. It was an antibiotic. Erythromycin. Erythromycin. And I was like, no. Well, that's for hepatitis B, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. I said, well, we've been screened. Hepatitis B We're does good. not exist. We're good. So we don't need it. She looked at me like, okay. Most people just say yes, but okay. And I signed off and said no. It's incredible because I had to have knowledge of what that was, what they were presenting. And if I didn't have it. You would just signed it. I would sign it. Yeah. And I had some people tell me that, well, don't bathe your, bo- your baby for the first week. Mm-hmm. See how long you can go. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, the mucosum and all that sheath that they basically get layered with when they go through the canal is all protective. It's like a protective mm-hmm. shield. And they're building immunity. So you, when you wipe it off, you're mm-hmm. wiping off an immunity that's building up. Most people don't think about it because they're, they're having planned C-sections now. I'm being induced yeah. now. You talk about, and I wonder if there's a correlation. You talked about in the 80s or whatever it was when they started putting everyone back in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. C-section started rising up. 
And you imagine now there's a natural process of receiving the final piece of your development through the birth canal. You're molding your head. You're molding your yeah. head. You're getting this invisible sheath over you, right? And then there's the passage, like this was was intended. It's so important for your gut health, everything. Yes, yes. and if you yeah. don't get that, what I look at now is all... It's like a like, rite of passage. Well, right? how many C-sections are linked to long-term health issues? So there's I don't know this. These she does. She knows it. She knows it. <laughs> so, okay, there's... N- I wouldn't say there's a ton of studies, but in the last couple of years, more and more studies have showed that um, babies that don't pass through the birth canal have, they are established with a different gut flora yep. prior, or as soon as they enter Earthside, um, compared to babies that are born via surgery slash C-section. Yep. And then those babies that are born via C-section have higher risk of chronic health issues, allergies, asthma, skin issues, any of that, all the A's, ADD, ADHD, autism spectrum, as compared to the ones that are born vaginally, where they go through that rite of passage and takes the head molding because babies, their their brain is not, the sutures aren't solidified yet. They're yep. not, yep. they're so, mol- like, you can move them. They look like a cone head. But it's designed to go through the vaginal canal, and they're designed to, like, get, and I just kind of, like, wiped yeah. my face, but to get all of that vaginal flora, the gut biome that was secreted from mom and ingest it in their skin, in their mouth, in their nose. Yep. And that is ideally laid down as like one of the foundational pieces of our gut health. Of us defining us. Yeah. And then the next piece would be breast milk. Yep. Yeah. So those are the studies that are coming out as far as like um, vaginal versus cesarean. And one of the like it's crazy because we have a one in three cesarean rate in our country. Yeah, and is that high really? Yeah. So oh. in some states, like Texas, even I believe has ooh, thirty-three to thirty-seven percent, and I think New York and maybe Florida have a bit higher too. Yeah. But that's not that is not good because like somebody and we I don't know how credible the World Health Organization is yeah. these days, but <laughs> in general <laughs> they say. 10 to 15% is like the max C-section rate that you want in your country in order for the whole the population to be healthy in general. And then there's another, um, Dr. Michelle Odant, who's a French OB-GYN. He's in his 90s and brilliant doctor. Like he could sit over here and recite studies to you, tell you what month, what year that he did those studies. But um, living legend, and he wrote the book... Um, Childbirth and the Future of Homo Sapiens, and then many other books. But in his book, he talks about how basically if you have like 40 to 50% cesarean rate or more, you know, what we're at or we're trending to, then you're basically selecting against a population. So the humans, if we go any higher, like, and this is like, evolution, biology talk, if you if we get any higher on the dang C-section rate scale, then we're naturally selecting against ourselves. Yep. Because then we make ourselves more susceptible to things like coronavirus. Easier and, to kill. Well, <laughs> yeah. I just think the medical society is basically populating the control of 
of all the all the health of this of this country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the vaccines, it's no coincidence that the vaccine number of administrations went up the second that there was they were not held liable. Yeah. And then the ingredients, it's just like uh, oh yeah, the preservatives are in there. Like yeah, they took mercury out, but there's high doses of aluminum. And if you look, and I know you have numbers to back this up too, but like let's let's just focus on vaccines for a second. So, the aluminum toxicity for a developing uh, fetus. Uh, it's very, very low. It's, I mean, I, I, if I throw a number out there, it might be like 10 or 20 milligrams of aluminum you're allowed mm-hmm. to administer into this baby. Well, vaccines, one alone probably has like three or four times that. I mean, I'm oh, just throwing yeah. a number out, yeah. but like, it, I'm serious. It's like way more than that. So the toxicity levels are raised for vaccines, even though it specifically says a developing fetus can't handle that much. Uh, they, their nervous system can't handle no. it. Yeah. But then you do, but then you throw in with the vaccines. They have look up the ingredients. It's like fetal monkey kidney tissue, like aborted tissue, aborted tissue. Yeah. And so if you look at what we're putting in our bodies and putting our kids' bodies, the second they come out, we remove breast milk because mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, you're got to go back to work. You can't breast milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to pump, right? Oh, you don't want to miss work. Let's do a C-section and induce, mm-hmm. right? Or, uh, let's do uh, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, get a nanny mm-hmm. when you go back to work, right? And then worse, like, they don't do anything from the male side. So, like, one yeah. of the things that I did when the babies were both born, I took my shirt off. Mm-hmm. Skin and, to skin. Yeah, skin to skin, right after mom did, right? Yeah. And they picked up on my my smell. They mm-hmm. picked up on it. They finally associated a face with the voice mm-hmm. and, and all that. And so all these little things are important. All these little things are so vital. And we're stepping away from this natural process to where you mentioned you're doing a water birth or you're doing a birth at home. People look at you like you're crazy. How can yeah. you do that? So dangerous. How yeah. many chiropractic students in your class went through natural childbirth yeah. at home, right? Yeah. And they were fine. Yeah, Completely totally. fine. Well, and even, like, I have some friends here, and there's there's a few sisters, but their whole family was born at home. And I've known them for a while, and I was like, wait a sec, you got that perspective on life? I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whoa, yeah. how lucky are you? Yeah. But, yeah, like, if regular high school, like, none of it, grow, like, while I was growing up, I was, like, I can I say my whole childhood, adolescence was standard American. Like, I thought birth was what happened on the movies, or your water broke, yeah, just shit hit the fan, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you're cursing at the guy, and you're in the hospital, you're pushing. It's nothing like that. Nothing it's like nothing that. like that at all. <laughs> it's, like, Mer- the second baby... She's like, I think I either peed on myself or my water broke. Because mm-hmm. that's how it was. So I'm looking up, and you see, and it's, it's not like the movies. And, I, and I'm even training this. I'm like, of course it's not, right? <laughs> They're trained, you're trained to how to catch the baby yeah. and how to clean up the baby. But then what I notice is you're not really trained on how to handle it after. Like, there's no fault with the mom afterwards. So, like, they don't give you a manual afterwards. Right? No. Like, the baby. But then <laughs> they don't give the mom a manual to say, hey, there's something called postpartum depression coming up. Good luck. Yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, everything's different. Your whole yeah. world shifted. Yeah. yeah, and so when that happened, no longer are you uh, a wife, you're a mother, well, right? Well, you, you imagine you have to prepare the husband for that, too. Well, even then, it's like uh-huh. you're caring for this person, and you're a team, but everything that you're giving is guidance and knowledge and energy and they're your DNA. Like, I see it's weird because you'll see, like, the kids' faces, and they look like me at one point. Well, they'll look at Merrick, and I'm like, they look at Merrick's dad, and I'm like, <laughs> that's crazy because they're evolving and mm-hmm. then you realize all the way down to your dna and someone even told me this too your emotional trauma can be passed through your genes onto yeah, your offspring for sure so your trauma that you had when you were 10 
got passed along to your kid yeah. and they were born and there's something embedded in it that they just kind of sense that there's something there. Yeah. Right? It's a knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you remembering. Grew you grew yeah. up and said, I passed this along. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating to think about how ingrained our genetics are from, you know, past lives, reincarnation. Mm-hmm. What do you get from your environment? Like, imagine babies in there, you start, you know, playing music for that baby yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, could you teach that baby a second language? you know, by the time they come out. Man, I hope so. Right? Like, I mean, there's so much we don't know, and the kids are sponges. I mean. The sound thing is really cool because I think, well, for me, that's when I started, like, some aha light bulbs would go off, like, working on women, touching their bellies, talking to them, being with them, like, you know, two or three times a week throughout their pregnancy. And then when they bring the kiddo, you know, back into the office or to see me, after birth and the kid just kind of like recognizes my voice my energy and they calm down they're like oh like i know you yeah (laughs) yeah so so bring up a good point do you adjust pregnant women yes how should pregnant women get adjusted absolutely why (laughs) oh man (laughs) because your body is changing every single day every single day you're working with a new body um and like you were talking about earlier it's all energy right And so, like, one of the ways I like to explain how I work with women in chiropractic is I'm connecting through you, through me, through, like, our physical bodies to your nervous system. And whatever the higher power is telling me to adjust, I'm adjusting. I'm doing motion palpation. I'm feeling. But I'm literally connecting with your nervous system and ideally opening up channels of communication from your brain, your spinal cord, to the rest of your body. So if you think about it, the uterus is sitting in the pelvic bowl, and there's nerves that innervate the uterus, right? There's nerves that are important for kind of the blood flow, everything that's going on during pregnancy, and then come labor and delivery. And, like, I don't know about you, but for me, I, like... I would want all those channels open yep. and communicating. Yeah. Um, and I would want my joints, like my sacroiliac joints and my hips and everything moving so that there's no, nothing stagnant or nothing stuck. Um, so, like, one of the ways I like to explain it, so people like the musculoskeletal visualization, is the uterus is hanging out inside the pelvic bowl, and it attaches to the pelvis via ligaments. So think of it like a hammock in there. Your pelvic floor is this hammock, uterus is on top of this, baby's growing. And so if like your hip in the front on your left side is tighter than your hip on the front on the right side or vice versa, if you pull on like your shirt, it affects, you know, the fascia down the line. Same thing happens. Um, And so baby is in there and baby's like moving around, swimming around, working with whatever room they got. Mm -hmm. And I like to describe them as like a messy college student renting. (laughs) um, Because if you remember, like I remember my college days and any place I rented, I didn't exactly take the utmost care of it. But baby's like, this is my world. I'm just like swimming around doing my thing. And wherever there's space, baby's going to go. So on the most simplest terms, if there's not a lot of space in the pelvic bowl with a too tight pelvic floor or you know, a funky hip on one side, then baby's going to have more space on the other side, and he, may, he or she may present as breach or transverse yeah. or, you know, anything but head down. And for birth, we really would prefer a head down baby with their back 
to our belly button so that they can like kind of corkscrew out. Babies can be born vaginally breech if if they choose. It, you know, that's only like a small percent of the population, maybe less than 5%. But ideally, we want them head down so they can like corkscrew out. And so chiropractic care, right, like go back to that. You want to be functioning as like your most optimal self so that when labor and delivery comes, you're able to dance with baby because you're going to have to move your hips and move all around and you want all the channels open and communicating. Um, That's can awesome. Can you explain Webster's technique? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> put you on the spot here. I know. I'm like, what is the definition they want me well, to say? We'll, we'll, we'll just kind of just explain what Webster's technique. Yeah, do. totally. Yeah. So, Webster technique is basically the most well-known chiropractic prenatal technique, and it's a technique and approach designed for balancing the pelvis. And it was started by Larry Webster and then carried on by Jeannie Ohm, who passed away last year. And now Dr. Pam Stone is the one teaching the seminar. But basically, it's looking at the pelvis and, you know, kind of doing what I was just talking about, where you look at which side's more posterior, which side's more anterior. And it's literally a sacrum pelvic balancing technique. And for anybody that's kind of new to chiropractic or, um, you know, they're, if they're looking for a prenatal chiropractor, it's the most rudimentary thing I could say that a chiropractor needs. You know, if you're going to see somebody for chiropractic and pregnancy, make sure they're Webster trained. Um, just because I say most of our adjustments are done prone. We're in chiropractic um prone or supine right mm -hmm. especially as the belly grows um if you like me you can adjust me on my side you yeah. know because i don't have a big old belly but um the reason for that is because we want the spine to kind of like stay as straight as possible yeah. and not put as much torque on the ligaments inside the pelvis yeah yeah um so yeah we address the pelvis the ligaments and the baby. And the baby, yeah. You can adjust the baby while it's in. Well, here, here, well you just set up the environment oh, for the baby. But really what you do is imagine if the baby is breached and mm -hmm. turn around the wrong way, chiropractors on the surface of the belly can rearrange the position of the baby to be ready to be delivered. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes so down to. So it's like yeah. knocking it into place? Yeah. It's like, come over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because this has been done forever. Mm -hmm. and that's it, awesome and like how many people would do like they did it before like if you think about manual therapy like hands-on therapy it was around way before chiropractic way before osteopathy way before there were terms given to these well things, it's almost like you know? that doesn't feel right yeah like ooh, i don't know like, about yeah well, think, when you're, right like, like you know when she's pregnant and that feels right so let's make you feel that way right like <laughs> yeah. that's <laughs> that, that touch feels good. Yeah. But think like, about the practitioner 100 years ago who didn't have access to an MRI machine or yeah. ultrasound mm -hmm. down the road. You had to make a clinical judgment based off the idea like, hmm, doesn't seem right. I can feel the bottom over here and the head's over here. Let's mm -hmm. kind of shift it. And then, boom, the baby's ready now. And mm -hmm. then going back to But that's so much more intuitive, I feel like. But the thing is. Think about this. Well, I don't know why I'm going to make this about a, about climbing, but like <laughs> <laughs> any analogy that works. Like but but uh, but it's like whenever I'm climbing, like sometimes I'm like, oh, like that's the route, right? And I get mm -hmm. so like hell bent about like, and then when I'm there, I'm like, oh shit, like 
but this is it. Like, I know I already decided, like, this is it. But when it's, like, dark and I can't see a route and I'm just feeling my way through, I feel like I can climb easier because I'm using just, like, my, your gut, all my your other senses yeah. and my gut. But imagine you find the opening and the opening is the size of your hand. Or your fist. Well, I mean, that's a great grip. <laughs> no, but your whole body has to go through sure, the whole yeah. the size You're the of your baby. And you're oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So you, once you find it, you're like, okay, I found where to go. Now you have to push through it. Yeah. And so the canal, what's incredible about the ligaments is a woman's pelvis is allowed to expand. The ligaments get so Dude, women lax. women are fucking awesome. They get so <laughs> lax that they expand. That childbearing hips kind of method they open up yeah. because you're having to pass a watermelon through something the size of like a, a grapefruit. And so yeah. you have to like service get 10 centimeters wide. That's nuts. Yes. And I then, love women. But then here's the other thing. I love women. You, you talk about taking a step further. <laughs> Nowadays, after you give birth, that's not where it stops for the continuation of the delivery. Yeah. The placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, so nowadays you can encapsulate the placenta <laughs> and eat the placenta Mm-hmm. After delivery, we're gonna make a supplement. Well, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, you probably want to because exosomes. Well, I, well, I don't know. I here, I don't know how I entirely feel about it eating the placenta. Um, just because, like, part of what I dug into, like research-wise, was um, different cultures around the world will take the placenta and plant it somewhere. Okay. Um, you know. They, there's so many different rituals around the placenta around the world. It's like, well, let people do what they want. Um, now, I have seen amazing things, like I'm sure you've seen where like somebody ex- is experiencing postpartum, like something, something on the PMAD spectrum, so postpartum mental anxiety yep. disorder, depression, anxiety, any anything like that. And you take some placenta encapsulated pills, and it helps so much. Whereas others... Um, you know, like my, my good friend who just gave birth to her second, she didn't do anything placenta wise, but she ate a ton of organ meats after like real, like grass fed. And so that was kind of like, I see those kind of being like, okay, you got your, your organs from that. Yeah. So I think it's like, I don't know if I have a preference. I, I don't know what I would do if I was pregnant. But know that the option's there to, like, you can encapsulate it, you can put it yeah. in a smoothie, you can plant it, you can dry it, do whatever you want. I'm making, I imagine <laughs> making a dish kind of like tripas, like, with, like, uh, lime and salt and, like, some, like, onions and cilantro. And, like, make hey, them crispy. Okay. Make well, them crispy. We'll see. What like, and then with some eggs on the side. Eggs. Well, I mean, I, and I, I a taco. You're going to have to dress it up that way because you're basically just carrying a sack of just all the detox. Yeah, all the toxins that are left over. I'd rather eat just the umbilical cord. Mm. Well, that's actually that's what I was thinking about the umbilical cord because well, it's because yeah. it's like the tripa. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but, essentially, but for stem cells, did I make they, it taste good? They get the umbilical cord, right? Because that's all the growth factors that are in there. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. So what you can also do is freeze the umbilical cord or part of it in a cryotherapy chamber, <laughs> and then what would happen is you have stem cells for that kid. Whenever mm-hmm. they grow up. So if they need a transplant, they can go back to that cord. That's what they're doing now. And they can take yeah. that and have a transplant made out of it. But they, I mean, it's kind of crazy because if you have that encapsulated, you know, and I think it's even heard uh, that it helps like uh, with PTSD, like the, the mm-hmm. placenta does. And then, of course, the umbilical cord. 
uh, I think you have to pay like a lot of money. So people, <laughs> yeah. Instead of doing a trust fund, they're just like, we're just going to. We're just going to bank the stem cells. We're going to bank your stem cells. Which, which I'd kind of rather have more in the long run. Right? Because mm. you can. I mean, everyone wants wealth, but everyone really wants health. <laughs> health is wealth. Yeah, health yeah. is wealth, right? And you can get all the money in the world, and you might not be able to buy that health. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anything that you can have that's progressive is, is up there. But, yeah. Um, I know you had one last thing you wanted to talk about. Uh-oh. We talked about it this morning. Oh, Yeah orgasms and like syncing up orgasms yeah well i just found it fascinating because since we're already down there on that subject right like we might well, as well no talking. topic is like off limits for me yeah like, <laughs> so. yeah i know i know bye baldo has to go because the listeners he's got a date just fyi uh he might practice yeah. syncing up <laughs> <laughs> so like i say no topic is off limits because if as you've experienced like all kinds of shit happens during childbirth and the motherhood transition. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, like the different hats I wear is chiropractor and then a birth doula. And I spent like my trainings in NLP and then yoga and strength and con- conditioning. Yep. But I spend a lot of time with people. And so then they get really open with me. And, you know, sometimes it turns into like a weird looking, super chill therapy session. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially on the postpartum side where it's like, hey, like we're I'm trying to sync back up with my husband, my partner. We had sex. It was majorly awkward. I haven't orgasmed like I don't even know what's going on down there. Blah, blah, blah. So I had one question come up. um, This was last week or the week before. And this woman was asking, is it possible to sync up orgasms or is this like just not a thing. And, you know, for her to ask that, A, is, like, super courageous. Yep. And also, if she has that question, there's probably plenty of other people that have that question. Yep. And I was like, dang, okay. So let me just talk. And usually I talk about stuff, like, in a super, like, non-intimidating way or try to, try to make it non-intimidating. Yep. But, yeah, so if you think about that, like, I thought about, oh, what do I know about sex and what's my definition of sex? Yeah. And so if we go back to, like, what we were taught about sex, it probably takes us back to, like, the first time we heard about the birds and the bees. Yeah. And we're like, oh, definitely not what I thought it was. And then I learned more. Yeah. But, um, you know, I started thinking about sex in this idea of an experience yeah. and um, a way to communicate between two people, a way to um, get on a deeper level, more intimate level, connect with a divine power, um, and just like sync up, connect, like connections, the big word for me. And I was like, wait, this definition does not have must achieve orgasm in this definition. Yep. And so I was like, okay, that's kind of enlightening. Yeah. And then it also didn't say sexual inter- intercourse, which like for many of us that grew like I, I'm a woman. I like men, like my, I have a boyfriend and so I've never been with a woman, so I don't know that side of the playing field sure. or anything. Sure. Um, but most of us grew up thinking that sex was sexual intercourse, you know, like penis and vagina. And 
when I said that, I just thought about the movie um, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, too. Yeah, <laughs> girls, have peen- or girls have vaginas, boys have penises. <laughs> yeah, that little boy saying that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I was just like, wait, none of this is in the definition that I wrote down. Yeah. So I think we, like, just need to explore our definition of what sex is first yeah. and then dive down, like, the anatomy part of it. And so that's kind of what I wrote on my social media was, hey, what does sex mean to you? Yep. This is what it means to me. And then here's some here's a little bit of knowledge. Um, from all the things I've read, women can experience like 4 to 12, somebody even said 15, but I think it's more like 4 to 12 different types of orgasms. I've only ever experienced like 2, maybe 3. Um, and so I don't know how to compare that or if that's sure. like, yeah. you know, who am I comparing to? Right. Um, but... The research also says that men can only experience one type of orgasm. And so, okay, right there we're like, okay, that's what we're working with, right? And so with women it's either um, clitoral orgasm or vaginal. And the clitoris, which believe it or not, was left out of anatomy textbooks until maybe the 90s. So, like, think about that. <laughs> really? Yes. Like, if I go look back Female, at, like, my netters and, like, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, it may, like, the old versions may yeah. not even have it in there. Wow. Yeah. So, we literally just discovered what the clitoris was in the late 1900s. <laughs> like, 1990. Like, the same time O.J. fled in his Bronco, is like, we're discovering the clitoris. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, put, make a meme about that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the clitoris has, like, over 8,000 nerve endings, which is similar, like, same kind of idea as a penis, but a lot more nerve endings. Yep. And then you have vaginal orgasms. And vaginal orgasms are a lot less common. Um, more women have orgasms via their clitoris than vagina. And vagina, when you say vaginal orgasms, you're basically referring to um, they an orgasm from penetration. Not There's no clitoris happening there. Right. And that is a lot less common. So if you think about that, like I think it's the stat was somewhere around one in five or less than one in five have vaginal orgasms. So there's probably women listening, and they're like, yes, I don't have to fake it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But so I'm going trying to answer this woman's question and see she's like, is it possible? Can we sync up? I'm like, it is possible, but I don't want you to have expectations that it has to happen every time. Yeah. And when it does happen, soak it up, enjoy it, both of you. Don't grab for your phones. Just, like, lay there and enjoy it. Yeah. And so I gave her some tips and, you know, some of my tips were um, that women need more time being aroused. And, right, I'm saying this as a female in a, in a relationship with a male, like that's my yeah. experience. And females need more time to be aroused. And if you're a male and you're with a female, spend time with her clitoris before because I guarantee once you go, like, Inside the penetration route, the odds of syncing up on both orgasms are much better. Yeah. And it was amazing how many DMs I got from women saying, like, thank you for saying this. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. I've, like, I've had many conversations with my wife about just 
our sexuality from a different perspective. Yeah. And it's okay. I think it's almost rare that you have – like everyone thinks about this white-hot, passionate couple that always has sex all the time even when yeah. they're older. It doesn't always happen that way, right? No. Even when we were trying to have kids, it was a job. It wasn't like it was fun. Like yeah. she called like, hey – you need to come home. I'm ovulating. I'm ovulating. Like, come home. And I'm like, all right. You know, like, <laughs> You're no, like, fuck. I got to perform. Yeah. So I can imagine. I was even thinking this. I was like, is that even going to be, like, healthy sperm? Yeah. Right? Compared yeah. to, like, in the oh, moment. Oh, you got like, your health care hat I know. On. I have my health care <laughs> I'm like, it, it needs to be healthy, ha- happy sperm. Right? Yeah. Of course, it's stressful, you know, sperm. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of thinking, like, well, this is a lot of hard work and all that. But then. Once you get past that, you reconnect again. Once you, you know, you basically pass all your genes on to to <laughs> offspring, and then you're like, all right, now what about us again? That yeah. reconnect, right? Yeah. And what's happened is like the woman's learning their body again because it expanded and it came back down again. So there's all these changes. Hormones fluctuated up and down. Mm-hmm. The brain's changing. They don't feel like themselves anymore. They don't feel sexy. They don't feel sexy. Yeah. So the last thing they want to do is have you come on to them because mm-hmm. they're like, I don't feel up to it. I'm leaking this is i got fluids out. coming yeah, out yeah, everywhere i don't feel good i am yeah. pissed off right now yeah. I, the last thing i want to do is think about that <laughs> so the build-up i think is really cool and i i even talked to baldo about this i said it's rare that people court each other nowadays yes right yes. it's very rare because everything swipe right or left or whatever that is it's instant instant <sighs> so if i like if i want to have sex it's like instant sex i can have sex tonight by getting on tinder swiping one way yeah and there's no connection right the connection is i can just pick this up and do this and blah blah and it's done with you can even wear a mask while you're doing (laughs) yeah you can you totally can so then i think i'm like all right well what does it look like if i really want to connect mentally with this person yes someone and i know there's a term for it someone said um i'm a person who's sexually attractive to intelligence oh i love that yeah and they say it just gets me Deep conversation. Deep conversation, <laughs> stimulation, but the connection, right? Because mm-hmm. if you look at dating nowadays, right? Like, Baldo, I called him out on that date, right? <laughs> but imagine, like, what's the first conversation going to be like with them? Yeah. Right? If it's not a blind date and it's a friendship, then you kind of get to know some things, right? But imagine if Baldo doesn't want kids, eventually that conversation has to come up. You have to hit that conversation. Yeah. So you have to be up and honest about everything. So even, mm-hmm. like, in sex, imagine you tell your partner, like, I really like this. Mm-hmm. I don't like that you do that. Yeah. I'd rather do this. Yeah. And you have to listen because, oh, that's the feedback. Cause you Take that the, feedback. Yeah. Because yeah. you would say the same thing to your partner. Yeah. It's like, I don't like that. Yeah. I want this instead. And I'd prefer this over that. Yeah. yeah. And so nowadays, which is just so odd, is if you can connect with a loved one in a way that, uh, you know, they're your spouse and you can – connect with them and mentally you're always going to have a sexual connection Mm -hmm. i believe because you understand how that person works and you understand their needs Mm -hmm. if you're only with someone because it's the sexual energy whenever you're not having sex all the other stuff's there right Mm -hmm. i mean you can you're it's like the second brain takes over right Mm -hmm. but when you're not there you're like all right they're still depressed there's still this anxiety there's still these gut issues there's still this mental wellness issue how do I still connect with this person, make them feel secure? Yeah. Because when you're done, you hold each other. And there's mm-hmm. that warmth, like you said, right? Don't get on your phones. Don't disconnect again. Be there in the moment. Soak up all that oxytocin. Yeah. yeah. Soak it up and, and, <laughs> and feel it and, and feel the sweat and feel the energy and the rush mm-hmm. in that release. Yeah. Because whenever you build an erection, this is a guy's perspective, <laughs> when you build an erection, it is a uh, sympathetic response. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, it's kind of weird because truthfully, if you're too stressed and too sympathetic, you cannot achieve an erection. It's it's a it's an issue because you ever heard the term morning wood, right? Mm-hmm. That's a parasympathetic response. You're at your deepest sleep, most relaxed, so you achieved an mm-hmm. erection. How many guys are so stressed where they can't even achieve that erection? Yeah, yeah. And then when you actually ejaculate. You go into sympathetic mode, and then you drop back into parasympathetic mode. Makes sense. And so that's why you feel like, oh, I'm so relaxed. I don't want to talk to anyone. You go through sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic again to parasympathetic, and all of a sudden you had all these mixed emotions. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're only stuck in sympathetic and you're stressed all the time, you'll never make that deep connection because you're taking Viagra. You're taking some kind of ED medication, and it's fake. Yeah. Because imagine if, like, you have a beautiful wife or beautiful spouse, and you can't get it up. Mm Mm-hmm. You're like, well, is it me? Is it? No, it's me. Yeah, it literally is you. You need to basically get out of your own head, reduce your stress totally. so you can enjoy sex more. Yeah. Right? Be and present. Be present. Yeah. And I know that there's tons of people who explore outside their boundaries and want to include things, and they just like to adventure, which mm-hmm. is nothing wrong with that. But think about the idea of saying, I just want to have the best sex with my spouse Yeah. the rest of my life. Like, I only want this one person, only connect with her, and, and you just – you. You learn every mm-hmm. time a little bit more about them. You learn yeah. a little bit more. You experience more. And then your orgasms become even more intense. They're, yeah, they're so much deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's more profound, mm-hmm. and you feel this connection to where, like, you both felt this positive mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing because yes. you can have sex and feel like the other, you didn't connect with the other person really. Totally. When you and I don't want to say it's making love because you still may have sex it's, and have a connection. It's a one night stand, or <laughs> yeah, it's, that's really what it is. And so there's no connection. Once yeah. again, it's just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. But, but when you physically, mentally, and emotionally connect with someone, mm-hmm. that's something that makes you crave it, makes you feel better, and you you function better. Like you feel it like on all levels of your body, yeah. your being. You yeah. Almost, yeah, you beam right, like yeah. almost like. You walk in, you're like, man, you're like glowing. Did you just get laid or something? Yeah, right? yep. Yep, I sure did. <laughs> and it was great. Right, and everyone's like, I want that. Not because yeah. they had sex, but because of the feeling afterwards yeah. of that body saying, like, I feel refreshed. Yeah, totally. You had a release. You had a connection. And I, I grew up Catholic, so when you're born a Catholic, oh. uh, you were basically torn, uh, told, every time you have sex, you have to procreate. So don't only yeah. don't have sex when you're going to create. Yeah. And I was like, well, what about the emotional and the sexual connection? Like, we were born That's to what I sex. want, yeah. Right? I, I remember thinking about this when I was super young. I was just like, wait, but sex is a sin? Yeah. Like, it's what? not. Why were we designed for it then? Yeah. And so, like, my father and my family, we're, we really didn't talk about it. We yeah, didn't talk about same. birds and bees. I learned through sexual education. Mm. I learned through own personal experience. You yeah. Know, where I was like, so by the time they told me, like, you know what a condom is? I was like, yeah, I know what a condom is. Then use it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, thanks for the talk. Yeah, good good chat. Good, good chat. So imagine if you grow up and you don't know what real love is like Absolutely. and sex, and you find it through porn or you find it through, like, college one-night yeah. stands and all that, and you're like, this is not fulfilling. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. nothing fulfilling about this because it's not connecting up here with this. Yeah, your brain and your heart and your body aren't connected. It's so true, and you just hit on something where, like, okay, we got sex ed in school. Imagine as, you know, a young woman, if they actually taught her about her cycle and embracing her cycle, because I was similar to you, where I was like, oh, shit, you just had your period. Here's here's some pads and tampons. Yeah. And that was, like, the extent of it. Or, you know, okay, don't have sex, don't get pregnant. Like, sex, I don't want to be a grandma. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sort of thing. 
And then you see the education at school, and it's like the worst of the worst STDs. Yep. And it's they're outdated pictures from like ten years prior. So none of the none of the conversations are actually hitting home. No. And so you're like, wait, but I want to try. I want to experience life. I want to try things. And like you go out searching because you don't have that within you. You're not getting that at home. Yep. And like you said, it's like, okay, well, I found one thing, but that didn't fill the void. So let me try a different thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's just on and on and on. So that made, but, that made yeah. me think. So imagine if you told – and this is weird because this goes against all the parents. But imagine you don't do sex ed in elementary school. You do a sex ed in middle school, mm-hmm. right? And what you do is you have an open conversation about the idea of the beauty behind sex and an orgasm. Mm-hmm. So imagine you tell all these horny high school and middle school kids – that like sex is a beautiful thing. You mm-hmm. have to value it. You have to it's appreciate sacred. it. It's sacred between yeah. two people. Uh, I mean, if you want to do more, that's on you, right? But mm-hmm. like, it's this connection that should be glorified, and it shouldn't be taught to be like, whenever you have sex, there's, you're either going to have an STD or you're going to get pregnant. Yeah, there's so much shame around it. Yeah, and yeah. so imagine like what I'm seeing now. A big movement is women are being more open about their sexuality, mm-hmm. and it if it either offends or embarrasses men. Yeah. Which is weird because men aren't very comfortable in their sexuality, even though they are. <laughs> Most of them are so insecure about performing yep. that they make it seem like they're a big macho type on the mm-hmm. front. But the truth is they're they're just as insecure. So, like – We're all insecure about it we're all <laughs> until insecure. we start talking and about it. we start it. talking about it. So, like, I'll have – I remember in high school, you're in the locker room and everyone starts talking about whatever. Yeah. And – I was more experienced than most of these guys who were <laughs> bullshitting, all right? I didn't have to say anything, right? And they knew it, too. But I hear what they're talking about. I hear what they're doing. And I'm like, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And so when they get to college, they're fumbling around. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And it's like, well, if you're really good at making love and having sex, you have to practice it over and over again. <laughs> I mean, really, like 10,000 yeah. hours, yeah. right? <laughs> to the point where you're like, I can have sex for two hours and not come. Imagine you're like, whoa, that's, that's tantric, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah. tantric. And, like, you you imagine there's a buildup of power, right? And, but, if like, the idea with going back to energy, imagine if I have 20 things I'm giving all my energy to and not focusing on the three that I really would make me yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Then you're spreading yourself too thin. Totally. Same thing when it comes to, like, being promiscuous. Yeah. You're like, I'm giving a little bit of energy to everyone, but it's not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I need to just focus on. A person who I can really connect with. Yeah, and myself. And myself. Yeah. Why like harnessing that energy in yourself. Yeah. Because I think that, like, if I would have been taught, you know, with maybe that lens, who knows? <laughs> like, might have tried still the same things. I don't know. But actually, like, harnessing your energy, you have the power. Um, your body is sacred. It's a sacred experience. You know, it was a. It would be a different outlook on. The, the shame lens. <laughs> well, yeah, well, they talk about, like, the, sh- the walk of shame the next day, yeah, right? Yeah, literally. Well, I means because you're like, I don't know what I did last night. I don't know who this person is. Yeah. So it wasn't, like, very meaningful or fulfilling. So, like, imagine you have a one-night stand or a couple months with someone, and then you see them again a few years later. Mm-hmm. I It's always interesting seeing that reaction again <laughs> because you're like, we've been intimate. Yeah. And that's the most sacred part of opening up to someone else. So you're most vulnerable, right? Yeah. You take your clothes You've off. You've seen me. Yeah. I've seen you. And when that happens, <clears throat> some people get embarrassed because yeah. it doesn't come out the way they want to. And then you have to see them again. Yeah. And you have to be around them. 
and you almost feel like insecure about the idea that like it didn't go as well as it, it should have, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever it's supposed to, there's something magical that happens. Totally. And it's pheromones and things that you can't describe other oh than gosh, you're just like yeah. like when I touch that person's knee, there's an energy that comes yeah. up to you where I'm just like, oh god, I just I can't. Totally. Yeah. And so uh, High Fidelity is another great movie I like to talk about oh, relationships yeah. with and. And I remember he said at one point, he's like, she used to rub her feet over, like, her feet over one another <laughs> yeah. in, like, this, like, mathematical, like, way. And there was, like, even numbers. It used to drive me nuts. And I'm like, I know that feeling. Yeah. That feeling, you hear something, you do something, it's almost like a tick, and you're like, that gets to me. I love mm-hmm. that. And to me, that's what everyone's kind of looking for is someone that they can connect with on so many levels. But for all the people out there who are searching, you might not find the person who's the exact you. In oh, fact, for you probably sure. shouldn't. You probably shouldn't yeah, date Yeah, I'm like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like you want to date the opposite of you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's So it's interesting, like, you're talking about that because I was listening to, and I forget where I heard this or read this, but when you're, like, looking for a mate, and I think more so, like, especially during this time of, I call it COVID break or reset, yeah. whatever we got going on, people are really reevaluating their lives. They're like, what I want a partner, I'm not married, I'm not, uh, like, what What am I looking for? Yep. And so if, like, you're listening and you're like, I'm, I'm looking, I'm single, I'm whatever, like, I would encourage you to write things down. <laughs> like, write down what you're looking for um, and get really clear on, um, like, what you need as a human being. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is this lady, and I believe it was a lady, she was talking about how we as humans, right, like, and you mentioned smells, like pheromones, like, we are attracted to people's smell, and yep. it's something in our biology, our DNA, that that is so key to, okay, you smell good, I want to have sex with you, I want to make babies with you, and it's so primal on that level, yep. but when we start doing things like deodorant or perfume mm-hmm. or um, even birth control pills, um, you know, like all I just thought about was like the Axe body spray. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah. that masked these. And she was like, this is how, this is why so many people end up picking bad mates. Ah. And then they end up in divorce. And that makes sense. R- like that just blew my mind. And I was that like, what? She was like, you stopped the physiology. Like you stopped the pheromones. Like well, the, it's a huge filter. That makes complete sense. Right. It's like, um. I don't know if it was Balder or someone said one time, they're like, when women like wear stilettos and mm-hmm. they wear tons of makeup and they put eyeliner on and highlights and extensions, all they're like, that's not them. Yeah. Because I want the real person, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can put a lot of makeup on. It's like a filter nowadays, right? Yeah. And so it's like, I want to see the person behind it. It's like when you talk to someone, like, I don't want you on. I want you yeah. off, right? Tell yeah. me, I want to, I want to see you. And you're all your vulnerability. And if I still love you yeah, because you're vulnerable, then that's something – that's true love. You'll never, ever find anything better than totally. that. Totally. And you could have five minutes of sex, but it's because you love that person so much. Because you like, got deeper. You got deeper than yeah. that, right? And you yeah. could have the best sex ever with someone who is the hottest ever. And if they turn around and have sex with someone else right away, you're like, it didn't mean anything for her. That person, yeah. I guess it didn't, shouldn't mean anything for me. Yeah. But too many times people throw that out there in a relationship thinking, like, this is what's going to catch them. 
And it's not. And you're like, why can't I change? And why can't I? I'm like, yeah, it's not just sex. Yeah. Sex has to be on so many different levels. So I think that's why women, especially now, all these sex coaches are coming out oh my God. talking about own up and ask for it. You're just as important as a yeah. guy. Why do we have to cater to the guys yeah. all the time? Right. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's easy for a guy to kind of get worked up, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Women. You have so many things going on. It's We're like, complex beings. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. So many hormones. and I mean, you can grow a human being for crying out loud. Yeah. Men can't. Yeah. And we go through a monthly cycle. Like, there's yeah. daily cycles, but we also have a monthly cycle. Oh, I know. And it is, like, up, down, and all around. Yeah. So, yeah, I say we're complex we're not complicated but no complex that's a good way to look it's at a it. beautiful thing own it oh i think so too. it's like balda said um so we went to uh this international women's event one time nice we got invited to go and do like all our supplements there sick me and balda were there and it was all women so balda loved it and <laughs> and this one lady came up to me and was like i don't know why y'all are here i was like i don't understand she was well this is an international women's day and all these other businesses are women owned and who owns your business? I was like, well, we do. Yeah, well, you're not women. You're and like, I, we're invited. We're invited. I said, my our best friend like runs this whole event. And she invited us here. And I said, and my mom's a woman. Yeah. My wife's a woman. I love women. Yeah. You know, because I love them. So yeah. I'm a feminist. Right? <laughs> and she just looked at me. And she didn't like that answer at all. She's like, but you're a guy. I was like, well, I love women. I'm sorry, you know. And I think the appreciation goes so much deeper for me now than I was when I was younger, right? Because I hate to say it, but, I mean, there's a lot of fish in the sea when you're younger, right? Yeah. But when you start seeing it, when you're older, like, these people got real problems. <laughs> like, they got all kinds of – and the prettiest perfect 10 models are impost- – they have imposter syndrome. They yeah. have depression. I saw this one lady. She, I mean, you could tell all this work done on her. Yeah. And she said, I always have felt my whole life that I'm not good enough. Oh. Because she's like, I was actually really pretty and already gifted when I was younger. And so everyone looked at me like I was an idiot already because all I had was big uh, boobs. Yeah. And I'm just like, that sucks. Yeah. Right? Um, imagine, like, you're almost too attractive to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, that. I mean, why do we have all these stereotypes? There's so many stereotypes. Yeah. It's oh, but heartbreaking. What's really, but what's really cool is, especially with a lot of people we hang out with, there's a lot of there should be a lot of mutual respect between the individuals, regardless yeah. of gender. Yeah. And I think what's really cool is there's so many women like yourself who are getting respect from fellow women mm. because of the outspokenness and the boldness that you've created. Mm. Most women hate on women. I know, and there's no reason. I you know what? There's a great book what was it? I'll go back and figure it out. It might have been it might have been the book called Pussy by Regina Thompson. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Family show here. I love it. <laughs> but um, I think it was her, and she was talking about how, um, you know, our parents' generations grew up with the, like, the scarcity mindset of um, you got to wear a skirt, you got to wear a dress, you got to look a certain way to catch a husband. Yep. And it's like, that's – or who stole your boyfriend or – like, that kind of scarcity mindset, I think, is where we don't really develop a true sisterhood from. Yep. You know, and it's a – there's – literally, they like, if you're supposed to be together, you'll find each other. Yeah. Um, And if you're not, then it's better you find out sooner than later, you know? Yeah. Like, that's where I'm at at 37. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we miss the mark, like, teaching young girls. And more – like, I think it's better now, but, like – 
teaching my generation and my mom's generation, like, oh, you got to catch a husband. You got to do this thing to appease somebody or to look a certain way. And it's that little scarcity victim mindset that was thrown in there rather than love this woman. She's got just as much to offer as you do. You, you actually being authentic and showing your power is going to show her how to show, like be okay and step into hers. Yep. And I think that's kind of where we're like settling now. It's like, oh, okay, like we all can have cake. Like we all can have true love and happiness and a successful career and whatever the hell yep. we want, you know? Yeah, and you shouldn't be denied that because, like, I remember America told me, like, in Oklahoma that the degree was a missus degree. Yeah. Like, you go there <laughs> yeah. and your job was just to get a bachelor's the degree. The MRS. And find, yes, and then find a husband. Yeah. And I have a lot of friends that, you know, we've kind of all grown up together separately doing other things. The women who went corporate, they waited a while to have the family. Yeah. Right. My parents even waited and they were teachers. They didn't wait because society told them to wait because, you know, they're young and they don't know what they're doing. They just said, we're not ready for it yet. Like, we yeah. want to enjoy ourselves. Our time we'll wait for kids later. If a woman gets to 37, 38, doesn't have kids, the first thing everyone asks them is like, why don't you have kids? Yeah. Why don't you have kids? Do you want kids? Do you want, why don't you want kids? Yeah. You only want two kids? You yeah. know, I'm like, yeah. who gives a shit? Like, it's my life. It's whatever I want to do. Baldwin yeah. says he doesn't want any kids. Yeah, that's my, my my sister knew right away she didn't want kids. Yeah. And so she and her husband have this dual income life and they love it. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, I get to travel and do what I want. Yeah. But there's something to be said about that. There's only two types of people in this world. There's a parent and a non-parent. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so if you're a parent, you understand you're on high alert all the time. Spidey you can't turn it off. You can't turn it off. It never goes away. If you're a non-parent, you get to sleep in. You get to travel, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't take you 30 minutes to get in, to the car to leave the garage, yeah, right? Yeah, So Baldo would always look. He's like, why does it take y'all so long to get anywhere? I'm like, three kids. bags, kids, three water bottles. I got, like, <laughs> snacks. We forgot diapers. Oh, yeah, we, they all need their bunnies and the stuffed yeah, animals. So the loveys. The loveys, right, all that stuff. And so what's interesting, like, my sister, who uh, has three kids, during, the, during this whole uh, COVID deal, they knew that homeschool was going to be opening back up again, and the public schools were going to do that. She goes, this is a short end of the stick to all women out there. For sure. Who are mothers. They basically have said, here, be a caregiver and a professional at the same time. And she's like, they don't say that to guys. Yep. They don't say, hey, guys, you need to stay home. Or like, hey, you need to be the, the caregiver, watch yep. over the kids. And it, I saw that frustration. I see the feminist movement. Yeah. I get it, too. It does suck. Yeah. It does suck. And like I said, all, uh, I, all the crap that women have to go through when it comes to medicine, uh, stereotypes, like, it's still there. And that's the thing. Like, you can talk about Black Lives Movement and all that stuff, too, but women's rights, like, think about it. Not too long ago, women couldn't vote. <laughs> it's like 100 years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's incredible. You can literally have Betsy Ross or whoever made the freaking American flag. Yeah. But it's like, well, you can't fight for our flag. Or the the load or the family distribution is not equal. Or, yeah. 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 And if you're a woman who's aggressive and uh, focused on your mindset, yeah, you're a bitch. Yeah. It's interesting, like, the, the name calling that gets a woman versus, like, what we would name call a man. And well, it's like this. Like, you said the word earlier. It's like, well, you're a pussy. Yeah. So when, when a woman says, oh, so I'm really strong. Yeah. She was because I can take. I can yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I can take it. 
I know. It's yeah. like I would tell my friends, don't say pussy derogatory. And they're like, yeah, right. Okay. Like, yeah. It's just like sh- shifting that lens. Yeah, I, that. I get yeah. it. But we've taught it so long. Totally. I mean, and it's like this feel like if like boys don't cry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no crying in baseball yeah. and all these other things. And for guys, when they come in here, they're they don't want to open up. Yeah. You ask a woman, how do you feel today? And they'll tell you 10,000 things about what's going on <laughs> and they're what's yeah. going on with their husband. Yeah. The husband comes in and is like, I don't know. My wife told me to come here. Yeah. Well, you know what I think? So here, like, I'm always hesitant to say I'm a feminist or I'm, like, f- so far that way because I think then we start shitting on guys. <laughs> and I think guys, I, I love men, like. Yeah, I yeah. have a boyfriend. I love him. <laughs> like, um, he is great. And what I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of that. But, okay, so here's where I was going with this. It's like um, we need a balance of masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, right now, like we were talking about being chival- like courting. Yeah. Um, that's so important. And the, we're such different beings like a male and a female biologically like you know and like you just said a woman comes in and she opens up and the man is like i'm i'm cool like that's good nothing's wrong here (laughs) yeah nothing's wrong but and i touched on how like sisterhood is important and the need to like lift each other up but i think that's just as important for men and men aren't getting that these days and i think the brotherhood or whatever you want to call it um, but it's that connection and that community that each of us need on a different level, different a different way. And like, where does that exist for men in our society? It's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. So uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. Dallas Cowboys <laughs> fan. I'm just gonna throw it out there. You can boo and hiss and laugh all you want. You can probably laugh the way things are going. I like didn't know what he was gonna say. Yeah. So the reason. I grew up there, uh, grew up in Austin, uh, Cowboys fan. My family's chiropractic, uh, fan, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, when I was uh, following the season so far, our star quarterback got hurt. Oh, my God. I actually did see that. So, okay, yeah. so he broke his ankle. That was nasty. Out for the season. Well, yeah. two weeks before that was the first game of the season, or three weeks, whatever it was. His brother killed himself. No shit. And when he killed himself, uh, the questions were surrounding oh. the quarterback. How do you feel with your brother doing that? Because his brother was a little younger or a little older than him. Forgot what it was. And the quarterback, Dak, was like, you know, I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. And I'm depressed. He came out and said that. I don't feel right. I don't feel good. I'm depressed. A newscaster came out, one of those big talking heads, and said, if you're the quarterback of Dallas Cowboys, you cannot show weakness. You can't tell your opponent that you're depressed. How dare he say it? He needs to toughen up and get out there. Uh, now, he might have been saying that for ratings, right? shock value, but it goes back to the same thing. Boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Are you hurt? Are you injured? Can you get up and do something? Yeah. And what you're seeing now amongst guys is this renaissance of bro consciousness. You have all these guys, big old buff dudes and everything, but they're the most humblest, sweetest people because they've been broken down and built mm-hmm. back up again. Totally. And the guys that are like the, the, the bros, like, yeah, bro, you know, whatever, those guys haven't. They don't, yeah. they don't have They it. haven't been humbled. They haven't been humbled. Yeah. And when you live in that world of superficialness, you only live on the superficial level. You yeah. never go deeper. So when I 
I've been very fortunate since we've been here to where I hug a lot of guys, and I've actually yeah. told a lot of guys I love you. Aww. And that doesn't happen outside of, like, my dad, right, and then yeah. my kids because they're boys. But imagine that you hug someone, and it's the same sex. Yeah. And it's mutual, and you hug someone, and it, that's a hug for 30 seconds. Imagine hugging someone for 30, and yeah. the, t- the hug gets tighter and tighter, and maybe the heart's over the heart. Yeah, heart to heart. That's most of my hugs with guys nowadays. That's powerful. It's very powerful because when you hold someone and you're holding their energy, you're taking on whatever mm-hmm. they have, you're chest sh- to chest. <laughs> so <laughs> literally, energy. you're exchanging energy, force fields and all that. You're stepping into their realm. I take that on. It mm. builds me up. When you hug, like the, the, the guy hug, you know, you give the one hand here the with pat. the handshake and then the pat in the back. <laughs> I'm talking like full on double arms, your bear hug. Like yeah. you're grabbing your brother or your dad, you haven't seen him forever, and you hold on to him. I had one of those hugs earlier today. It's so uplifting. And if women could do that to themselves, imagine how much better this world would be if everyone was just going around hugging each other and appreciating the fact that you are you and I am me and that we can share this existence. Yes. Yes. And so (laughs) we don't get to do that now. Yeah. Seven months have passed to where the social distance, they have not hugged another person. Do we become more comfortable and connected with our fellow brethren after seven months of no. social distancing or not? No. no. We question you. We, we start to get scared of our neighbors. We do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I see your ma- your face now. I see yeah. your nose now. Yeah. Before Now I was telling someone that you're going to – before you could read lips, now you're going to read eyes. You have oh. eye readers. Yeah. Right? And it just heightens the senses. Oh. Right? But then you have some people that say, I'm not feeding into that. I am, I am going to – Feed into love. I'm going to feed into growth. I'm going to feed into connection. I'm like, that's me. That's me, right? Because <laughs> I always want to grow. I always want to connect. Yeah. If you're not connecting with someone, you're not growing. Right. doesn't matter if it's in business or not. Totally. If you can't connect with that person or other people, you won't be successful in business. You're not going to evolve. Yeah. You're not going to evolve. Yeah. And so I think like uh, like Baldo, for example, is one of the guys he can be best friends with like all his exes. <laughs> I really can because there's a civil – Mutual respect for that person. Yep. And most people probably can't say that about their exes. Right. And so when you grow as an individual, if you leave a relationship, it's not a bad thing. Whether it's a friendship, whether no. it's a sexual relationship, you grew, you took whatever you could from that relationship, and you move on to the next thing. Absolutely. You took your life lesson. Yeah. Yep, and then moved on. Yeah. That's so true because – so when I was in California, I was in a relationship for eight years. And my ex and I started a gym called Deuce Gym. It's out there. like, yeah. um, And there's now three. I was going to say three total, but who knows what's open. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we decided to part ways, it really was like society was like, what happened? Like, why would you fail, basically? Yeah. And it's not a failure. It's just. It's it's complete. That relationship ran its course. Yep. We have a mutual love and respect for each other. We r- wished each other well, and we went on our way. Yep. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like it breakups, like our society, who cheated on who, sure. who did something wrong. And it's like, no, it, actually, we're both to blame. There's nobody to blame. And it, I view the relationship as a su- success. You yep. know, it didn't last a lifetime. That's okay. Yeah. Well, I think most <laughs> relationships are like that. Yeah. I think you already have a predetermined fate with someone 
before you even meet them. Yeah. Because totally. if we're all paths of yeah. balls of energy just connecting and bumping into one another in this so-called existence, yeah. then when you bump into someone, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't see you there, <laughs> right? Yeah. That was it. If you bump into the same person again, you were meant to meet that person. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. If uh, I had a plane ride uh, coming back from Denver with a person, we, I knew, I already knew we were going to connect. <laughs> I just knew we were going to sit there and connect. And even this air, uh, the stewardess was like, so, like, y'all are really hitting it off. Are you going to go on a date with her? I was like, <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't that. It was like we were just talking. But it was yeah. a mind conversation because we're talking about a lot of this. We've been meaning to have this conversation. Bingo. And so for her, it was like, oh, my God, my mind's blown. I can't believe, like, you're some kind of guru. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just more <laughs> like I'm telling you something you already kind of thought. I'm just confirming it. Yeah. yeah. And so the uh, confirmation is you can do anything you want to do. You can be anyone you want to be. Like, your universe is created inside yeah. your head. If you're not told that, this is all new to you. And so whenever I look at relationships, I want to gain knowledge, like I was telling you about before. If I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah. I want to gain. I want to always learn. I always know that I could be better. Yeah, if level you, up. You level up. <laughs> if you had that mentality, you're like, man, I'm doing awesome. Man. I'm just going to yeah. sit right here. I'm crushing. I'm crushing it. <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking like, well, what aren't you – doing that you could be working on right now yeah. right? there's always some improvement yeah. i could always be better at this i always better at this but you can always do something better always so when you're around people who make you better yeah you have a relationship that continues you have your inner circle and you have colleagues and you have friends and you have people that are well wishers yeah but if you have somebody that comes into your life and it burns out just like that like think about the romantic relationship that they met like like Titanic, right? Yeah. They're going out of this shit. They're like, yeah. for me, that was the best thing, even though it was like three hours, right? Like, that yeah. was the best relationship. I took something from there, and I used it towards this in my life. I Absolutely. found out I was stronger than I ever could be. Yeah. yeah. Because I went through all this stuff for what that person did to me. I didn't break. I was stronger, and I came out on top. And everyone knows what that person did and knows that I took the higher road. Yeah. Right? And you... You can wonder why didn't it work out and all that shit, but that's you like can wish you can. Yeah, but what's the point of that, right? Yeah. Like, let I it used, go. Well, I used to say second guess it. I could have done this. I could have done that. And then now I'm at the point where it led me to here. Yeah, it led me to this path. I took all that knowledge, all those failed things, all those successful things, and now I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, I think with you, you, I think one of the reasons why we connected was because you're that type of person too. <laughs> It says, I'm going to grow, I'm always going to adapt, but I'm not going to do the status quo. No, hell right? no, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, but, but going in trailblazing is yep. also very tough, but it's very rewarding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, the, the moments where somebody sends you a note or ha sends you a, a gift, like, tells you a story, like, those are the things that warm your heart and you're like okay i'm gonna keep going yeah and for the <laughs> listeners at home chiropractics have one of the highest um uh satisfaction rates mm -hmm. amongst professionals throughout the world yeah like it's like 80 yeah. percent or something like ridiculously yeah. high so we get to heal the body we get to help people yeah and i think it's i think it's incredible i think it's going to continue to grow uh if you haven't seen a chiropractor before do it. There's all kinds. I mean, obviously, there's doulas, there's yeah. sports medicine, there's yeah. neurologists, there's pediatrics, you know. Yeah. So just find one and, and stick with them and, and, and just see how healthy you can get, really. Totally. I love it. So, yeah. But um, for the people to find you, <laughs> right, leading into how do you find Dr. Matthews, how do they find you? Yeah, so you can find me. The most go-to website is birthfit.com. 
And if you want to even search for a BirthFit leader in your area, you can use our directory um, on the BirthFit website. But go there. If you want any free info, check out the podcast. We have a podcast. Nice. Um, and we got lots of online programs for prenatal and postpartum. But um, if you drop a line there, um, I'll be sure to get it. Uh, if you're in Austin and you want to come see me, go to Truly Chiropractic, T-R-U-L-Y. And it's myself and Dr. Morgan, and we work as a team. And it's a super chill environment. And, um, yeah, we see pregnant, postpartum, pediatrics. And, like, 80% of our clientele is women. Yep. So it's amazing. Um, and I love what I do. So, yeah. yeah, just like you do. Like, you get pumped to go to work every day. I love it. Yeah. You get to help people. Yeah, and you're like, it's fun. It's, it's fun. exhausting and it's fun. <laughs> Think about it. how many, how many people get to say, I helped a lot of people today, and I get to help a lot of people again tomorrow. Yeah. And totally. and I'm using my hands and my mind to do it. Yeah, I'm just showing up. I'm just showing up. Yeah. Me being there means people get totally. healthier. That's a cool responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's me. That's you. So and, yeah. you're, and you're good at what you do. I'm so glad we crossed paths. Um, uh, I look forward to possibly a part two on this. Yeah. yeah.